from CNU 23 in Dallas, this is the Strong Towns Podcast. All right, back at CNU 23, uh, I have sitting across the table from me a good friend and uh, someone who I, I think lives in Dallas. I don't know. He seems to be a man of the I'm world here sometimes. Now. <laughs> yeah, Jason like. Roberts from The Better Block. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here, Chuck. You know, you and I have talked about doing a podcast a, a lot, and we've just never made it happen. So well, I'm, We did the one last year at what, CNU Albany, and we had the, the little uh, kickoff, our little Three people. No, people. we did the we did the talking cities. Oh, that's what it was. The video, cities, and yeah. I did run that as a podcast. Okay, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? That was fun. That yeah. was a lot of fun. I loved the the concept of it and all. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that, and uh, it was it was Mike and Joe and and you and me. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I wish we we should do that again. Uh-huh. Absolutely. You, I mean, you've got lots of free time. So do I. Yeah, I got nothing going on here. Absolutely nothing whatsoever. <laughs> What's it like? I mean, here's your your volume is right here. Okay, okay. Two. Oh, okay. There you go. Now I hear you. What's it like to uh, to have all these people here in your town? Oh, it's kind of a mixed blessing. Part of me is like, like, yes, I can show you the great places. The other part of me is like, you're going to see how many problems we have and just know, like, why are we here? Uh, <laughs> um, so, but but with that being said. Uh, and the nice thing about Dallas, as in I think with most of these cities, you know, my work is often trying to find the old streetcar neighborhoods. Right. Because for me, I found in the Midwest and the South, we're not going to rebuild like New York and, and, and uh, San Francisco. Uh, but we, we have had these great examples of when we created that streetcar network that put these commercial nodes that were nestled into neighborhoods. And it's kind of this hybrid where you have this you know, uh, you know, small home and this little area that you can walk to because, again, the streetcar stops weren't that far apart. Uh, and, and I think that's honestly the model that could really help that the Midwest and the South can look at it again. Like, we've done this. We have a template from, like, 1880 to about 1955. Right. Uh, where, again, we're not New York, but we are have this hybrid. And you, you're not necessarily going to be a two-car. You're, you could... You, you, you're going to have to have a car, but maybe you can go from two-car family to one-car family if, if we continue to embrace that that model that existed. Right. And those are the places, it, when people are here in Dallas, hopefully they'll see the places that are still successful to this day. They're old streetcar stops. It's like Knox Henderson. There's an area here, Lower Greenville, Bishop Arch District, where I where I live. Um, every one of those. And it just feels good, and, it's a, and you love it, and it's kind of mixed with nature and with small homes. Um, but, yeah, and you have kind of that mix, nice commercial mix where you can get a cup of coffee in your neighborhood. Well, and when we're talking about the future of cities, I mean, I look at those places, and I, I go, I mean, we were in Deep Ellum last night, you're just talking about a neighborhood with tons of potential. Yeah. I mean, just like you've said, they light up like a Christmas tree. It's a place that just pop. But but we see these places in city after city after city that just the untapped potential is a generation of building we could do in these places. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and and. and Deep Elm is an interesting place because that's more kind of the old downtown. That really shows you the, the division when the highway was cut through and showing kind of what that idea of there was, you know, this industrial area on the other side of the railroad tracks. Um, and it's it's had some interesting struggles, but I would say that the majority of it, the, the bones are great, as you can see. And it's and you love to be there. The formers, the buildings feel alive. It's um, and, and things go in and it, it lights up. You're right. It starts working. I, I know a lot of our listeners know of your work and know of the better block mm-hmm. 
But there's probably some people out there who are saying, you know, who is this guy? What's going on? Yeah, what does he know? Yeah, what, yeah uh, this guy's yeah, crazy. Whatever. Guy, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there is a photo I'm going to put on here. So they, they, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> this guy looks interesting. No, t- tell us a little bit about the Better Block. Yeah. So uh, just uh, just the recap was, you know, I was doing a lot of civic projects in my community. I lived in in what at the time was kind of the bad part of town, an old streetcar suburb, um, and had a cluster of commercial buildings that were largely vacant and had some ordinances that actually made it uh, either cost prohibitive or legal to make it kind of the great places that we know. And so we just brought a, a group of people out. Uh, actually, we brought two groups of people out, uh, 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 artists and some, some community folks. And then uh, we did two projects within short proximity of two separate uh, old former streetcar stops. We converted these streets. with We put in bike lanes, cafe seating. Uh, so we thinned the streets. We brought landscaping. We took the empty buildings. We put coffee shops and flower shops and art galleries. And then we printed off all the rules and the ordinances that we were breaking to show this stuff that you see, which is great, now it's alive and you love it. Well, it's, it's illegal. And it's if reason why this isn't happening that's right that's right and and even the process of me just talking about making these changes is going to set off all these fears within the community because nobody can nobody can can visualize it even with renderings i've found they have to experience it and say okay this is great otherwise as you know you're going to be setting up yourself for this carmageddon debates and all kinds of issues because i go to city hall and i say here's a change i'd like to see in the code And then everybody freaks out because they imagine the worst case scenario possible happening and oh Chuck this code is there for a reason and how dare we, you know, question it and 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 I could spend years of my life trying to get one tiny thing changed. You're going out in an afternoon and in a block showing here's what's possible. Yeah, and kind of really getting this idea to people that that, uh, you know, you as we you and I both know this and we preach this heavily that, you know, the two myths there are that you know, you can have great places and have great traffic flow, which doesn't exist. And, you can, and as we all know, you're just hard to find parking in great places. But people assume that if you ask a community, you start the process off like we traditionally do, like, what do you want in your neighborhood? They're going to say, I want outdoor cafe seating. I want to be able to have, ride my bicycle. I want shade trees. And I want to be able to uh, drive quickly through the area. And I want to be able to park at the front door. And, and we found, as you know, you just can't have both of those things right, together. That's, right. uh, that's a stew that doesn't work. Um, so, so what I found is like um, what I can do when people say, "Well, it's just not going to work because the parking, you know, people aren't going to go there." Whenever you start taking parking away, you have to make it irresistible for people to walk, irresistible for them to bicycle. You don't just go in and I see people attempt these things. Like, well, we tried your model, Jason, and we did this parklet, <laughs> or you know, we we put in this little mixed use and it didn't work. And like, was it irresistible? Because I can show you places in your town. We could all go there that are irresistible that have this form because most cities have three or four areas that are working. Right. And if you didn't, I mean, I can, as you and I know, we can dissect these things very, uh, very, uh, yeah, 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 finely right. and tell them what you're doing wrong. It's not hard. Or just ask yourself, would you want to start your ex business in this area? If not, why? Right. Um, so yeah. Yeah. You, um, I want to, I want to, I want to draw this distinction. Um, because I, I, I think it's incredible and I honor you like deeply because of this. Um, I'm an engineer. I'm a planner. You're at the CNU, which, you know, while it's becoming a far more diverse organization in terms of the people who are identifying with it and coming here, uh, it was a member, it was an organization began by architects. Mm -hmm. How many initials do you have behind, you know, (laughs) you're out traveling the world, you're transforming cities, you're working on blocks all over the place, you're an expert in this field. 
how many initials do you have behind yeah, you? Yeah, I've got I've got none. So that's the irony is I thought, I mean, I would love to kind of go back and study planning. And my business partner, who is a planner, Andrew Howard, uh, you know, after we started doing these projects, he's like, you know what? Don't study anything because you're, you're, you've got this intu- intuition about places. Yeah. And if you start studying it, you're going to overthink it and you'll probably do it wrong. You'll, you'll cloud. You, you'll, you'll almost pollute the thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so it's interesting that um, – that, but the thing is, I found the people, some of these people that are actually my heroes, and I'm sure yours as well, weren't these architects. They were these great observers. Right. You know, William White, you right. know, or Jane the Jacobs. Jane Jacobs, yeah. Yeah, they were just, these, just people that just kind of, they knew how places were supposed to feel. Yeah. And they had a discussion about the feeling of a place. Uh, and, and again, we kind of worked backwards once we, we identified this is what it's supposed to feel like, <laughs> make that feeling again. And then, like, we can kind of understand what was the recipe, what were the ingredients to that recipe. What is What is that background of yours how does that affect the way you look at engaging with people in a community i, I mean I, I i i come from an engineering background sure we have very formal processes yeah. that we engage people with i was very comfortable with those back when i was doing engineering yeah yeah because they're very safe for me then i became you know went back to school got this planning degree became very comfortable with the public hearing format which really empowers the planner and sure but but you're coming at this from a different standpoint, and you're also yeah. trying to activate and reach a, a different audience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How, how does that? How does your background fit with that, and, and why is that so important? Well, I would say my background is, I mean, it's IT consulting, kind of the open source computer world, but I would even say beyond that, for me, it was this idea of like the arts world and, and getting out there and just in the communities and just in, in making art out of places that people didn't want to be in. Uh, and that that's really what spurred me in this idea of like how do you transform places and then transform them rapidly because I found our existing public town halls were actually more of these forums we created for naysayers uh, and it made it really easy for as you know you can go to your, your city you can go to Brainerd and maybe you're the quiet guy that wants you know what cool places look like and you want to do cool things you go to the town hall community meeting because somebody's put it together and says hey we're going to talk about making a better place and one person from Brainerd could stand up and be like it's going to kill us as we know it we don't want this in our neighborhood and they will be kind of the, the de facto voice right. of the neighborhood the inertia is all behind them yeah and then you now cower at this point because you're like kind of that 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 voice of like uh pragmatism and like you know maybe there's some good ideas here and bad ideas but once one person stands up and starts igniting all the fears of the room groupthink takes over really fast and then all of those ideas that we we know with the planning process get rapidly watered down based on worst case scenarios right and so i found i it's really going to be best for me to illustrate and create these places with people. The fact of people gathering people together and talking to them about what makes great places and then helping me let's build this together temporarily was so powerful to make people understand like, oh, this is – I not only do I do – I think I know what great places look like, but I'm building it now. And now my neighborhood is, is sharing it with me. And we're having this shared experience and we're having the discussion. So once we pull those trees up and we take out those cafe tables and all, people start getting mad and saying, well, this was working. Why would we take this away? <laughs> right. And then my right. job is so much easier. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Put this stuff back. We yes. loved it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, been, it's been impressive. I would want to talk about one concept, and, you, and I touched on it briefly in an email before this. But Go ahead. But something that I'm excited about, and, and, and because I'm not a learnt man in the world of urban planning, but I always fun, fun, find these little concepts, and, the, and my friends that knew urban planning kind of stuff just tell me to decide, you should check out these, these precepts or concepts. One concept that now I'm fascinated by, really, is, is this, this law of the Indies. And, yep. I, and I mentioned to you briefly, and the law of the Indies was basically something that the Spanish came up with after studying 
you know, great cities for you know a thousand years and wondering what makes them. Well, of course, the, the Spaniards are going into the New World. And they need to set up cities rapidly, right? right? And their goal, of course, is a couple of things. They they want to get commerce going. They need to get the municipal buildings going on. But they also are trying to spread Catholicism you know, rapidly, right? Um, but what they did uh, was pretty simple. You know, and they, they took ideas like from the Persians, where you took this, call, this concept called Charburg, which is creating uh, these plazas with these four quarters, and they're beautifully designed. And you can see the classic example in front of Taj Mahal, actually. But with that being said, like they, they built these models where they started like, okay, what we need to do is create the civic building or the or the church, and it's going to face the waterway or something to look for enemies, and uh, and then we're going to put the plaza in the middle, and everyone will gather, and then we'll quickly start building the merchants along the edge of this plaza, right? Right. And, and we need to get those. We need everybody building those together rapidly because we need income, uh, tax income from those guys going back to pay for the municipal buildings and the other infrastructure, and then we're going to build a row of six streets and six streets. That's what we do. Um, and then it kind of lays out, you know, sort of the cemetery is. And this, but the, the, the fascinating thing, though, about this Law of the Indies is the places I go to to this day that have this in place yeah. are still working. Right. They're still the great places. And, and the best example I just got back from New Orleans, and, it's, of course, it's a French settlement, but, of course, the Spaniards took over at some point. But you can tell it was, it's, it's the Law of the Indies. It's the same place. It's right. Jackson Square right. with St. Louis Cathedral. It's amazing. Six streets. And, and six streets. And it's, and it's, you know, facing the waterway. It's it's. And it's the the part that's alive and buzzing. I went to Carretero, Mexico. Exact same thing. Exact same thing in Lima, Peru. Exact same thing in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So my thing is like, it's like you have this recipe that that's kind of hidden away in books for creating great places. That it's like a five thousand year old recipe or whatever. Right. And we just collectively say, yeah, we know it's the greatest places in the world, uh, and even in our <laughs> own country, even in New Orleans, we know it's still working, and we know it's working in Santa Fe, but we're going to shun that completely right. <laughs> over this new model, and I'm like, you've baked in something that is, you know, it, even in the U.S., 300 years old and working, right. uh, and it's the places on our postcards, it's the places we all rush to for vacations, it's the places that we want to, you know, that we want our kids to go to universities, and just, it's, it's amazing to me how quickly we can disregard you know, hundreds of years of uh, of, 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 of tried and true uh, planning. Well, it's 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 inter- the thing about that that's interesting for me. I, I go back to the decisions we made in the early 20th century uh, to to reshape an entire continent around a new theory of what growth and prosperity would be. And and as you say, we kind of threw away this tried and true model, mm-hmm. but we did it because there were problems that we are trying to deal with the industrial city and uh you know sewage and pollution and and we embraced we had this new technology the automobile and we said we're you know we're gonna we're gonna go try this i I don't think we have a a deep appreciation for the fact that this is a huge experiment i mean no one has ever really tried to do what we have done on the scale that we have done it in the short period of time that we've done it and it really isn't, I mean, when you're doing an experiment of this type, it really isn't crazy to think maybe we screwed something up. You yeah. know, maybe, maybe we didn't quite grasp all the implications. Yeah. And yeah. whether it's the financial stuff that we talk about or whether it's the, the health and obesity stuff that I hear people talking about or the sense of community and the stuff that's going on now in Baltimore and the, the policing. Yeah. We had systems that self-policed. We had systems that self-regulated. We have systems that... You know, as the law of the Indies kind of points out, we're we're kind of self-optimized over millennia, really. Yeah. uh, To function very, very well. Imagine if we took our 
capacities and resources and put it into that again. Oh, absolutely. That that's and if there's a great quote from I guess the, the Kunstler talk whenever he was on TED and I it resonates with me so much where he said this has been the greatest misallocation of resources in human history. Yes. And really that's what it is. If it's just we have these resources and we're now at one point in time we could say well we know you naturally put the library in this area and the post office here you're going to have all these people who put the markets in between they're going to run this way the schools will go here and you know and that way there'll be efficiency from where people live and they can quickly get to these these areas and they get to the waterways if need be and just it's amazing how we naturally know how to do th- it do this but how we you're, you're right the car we're like well now the library will be way over here we'll right. put the market way over here we'll do this okay, we, just, we put all these pieces we misallocate these resources and then we're spending all this money to, to try to stitch them together in these that in these ways that you and i both know just is not financially sustainable whatsoever right now you and i lead parallel lives in some ways uh we're both 41 <laughs> we're both 41 <laughs> happy birthday yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Uh, but Two but I, I I um I keep waiting for the time when we're in the airport together at the same time because oh I God, I'm yeah. I, I'm always you know I check in let let people following strong towns know where I'm at and where I'm going you check in I see you know mm-hmm. you're in this airport and that I, I, I want to ask you specifically you've you've been to Australia yeah you've been to Europe uh-huh. and you've been invited there to share this message and the stuff that you've done yeah um, Australia. I've not been to, but my understanding is a little bit more Americanized in terms of their development pattern. Obviously, Europe uh, opted to go in a different direction in large part after World War II when they could have built in this style. They kind of chose to reestablish. Some did. Some didn't. You're right. Yeah, that's right. What's What's the reaction to your message so that's interesting. In those places. A couple of things here. First of all, the one thing that I find is the the common uh, struggle among all these places is this, this lack of community engagement. Uh, and so when I go to Copenhagen, which I'm like, this has already got the better blocks. Why am I here? <laughs> Why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> Melbourne, Australia even. Uh, but uh, they are now struggling with this whole other idea of like, you know, uh, like we just, people don't want to get take part anymore. And kind of the issues I think that are that, that, that bowling alone really kind of hits on with yeah. people not, not, you know, our grandparents, our great grandparents built many of the cities that we know about, built the schools, they built the buildings, they helped, you know, do the detailing and everything. Uh, and so that's gone away and they are now natu- realizing this. I would say the fascinating thing about that though, especially with, because uh, again, just being in Melbourne and Copenhagen, uh, is that these are two cities that are considered some of the most livable cities in the world. And I've been to Vancouver and spoke there, and that's one of the most livable cities as well. Um, but I thought what was amazing is Dallas obviously would not be considered, you know, uh, the way to, to build your city, right? Right. But they, as the most livable cities, are looking for ideas everywhere and constantly engaging their communities and saying, like, look, we, we don't know what the, the answer is, but we will continually – Keep be looking for the next great things to make continue to make our cities great, and I thought that's really what makes a livable city is this idea of like we're constantly moving, we're constantly changing, we're being nimble, and maybe the great ideas are out of Detroit, maybe right. they are out of Houston, right? You know, and that to me, uh, you know, you don't see that happening in Dallas. I'm sure you don't see that happening in Brainerd. It, Why aren't our political figures like looking at like what's happening around the world and saying, bring them here and let's have a long it, discussion? It's almost like it, I think culturally, and you get this in Texas. We we do we get it in Minnesota, but it's almost like uh, a an admission of failure to say maybe there's an answer that comes from outside of the community. I think I think you're right. But th- th- another fascinating thing to that too, and I'll say this little funny anecdote I've noticed here is that um, 
Uh, I, I tell people now it's almost more powerful for me to send somebody away to see one of these great places, and, and then we'll have a conversation about you know what we can do in our own communities because they have to experience it. But my the city manager for uh, for the city of Dallas, um, you know, he was you know going along and building the things that you know we always build here, which as you and I know the problems that fa- those face. But he recently his daughter her, married a guy in Vienna. Uh, and so he's been going to Vienna, and then he's, he's walking around looking at the city. He's like, you know, I'm realizing this three to four story building with these short block segments. This, and this is a guy who's a finance guy. Yeah. He's like, this, this makes works. so much yeah. sense financially. Right. And so I just thought that was fascinating. Like, it really, just was him walking around and being like, the city's you know a thousand plus years old, yeah. still working. Yeah. Like these buildings, three hundred years old, and. Formers were great. You know, the, the grid is a certain way that you can actually park this with the grid. And, right. And I just, I thought that was fascinating. And, and we can drive around Dallas and look at stuff that was built when he was a kid. Yeah. That is a complete failure today. Yeah. yeah. And then just keep repeating it. And we're still, and the, the irony there is we're spending the money as the public, as our tax dollars, to tear down those places right. and, be, re, and build them again in another way that's going to be some hybrid that's not going to work. Right. And as you know, and I know, like you could just build it right, like, the law of the Indies way or whatever, yeah. the first time, and you won't have to tear it down. Right. <laughs> right. We found it, it'll continue to work, and, <laughs> and you can set it. The problem is when the grocery store fails out in the suburbs, um, you as the baker that says, hey, I want to start my own little bakery here, can't do that in 50,000 square feet. Right. <laughs> You're right. missing the little cluster of main streets where you can you can create those things and as you know once that implodes it brings down everything around it the home right. buys they're missing the, the neighborhood destination and uh so it's yeah just that is i think that and, and, and i know for you and i uh it's now at this point where we're just kind of banging our heads against the wall because people and communities know what the great places are they keep going to them they keep putting them on their postcards right. but they they I, I almost want to say that to the city, even the city of Dallas, like you put like, you know, the little McKinney Avenue trolley, historic trolley and Clyde Warren Parks and all our great things on the postcards. But that's only one percent of our city. And the 99 percent of it looks much like a, a six lane, <laughs> wide, gray, non no trees kind of place. Like if that's where we're investing our resources. That should be on our postcard. Well, my, my favorite part of your TED talk, one of, you know, one of the ones that stuck with me is when you show the picture of the uh, all the interchanges yeah. from the underside and say these are our monuments yeah and that that stuck with me because that's a that's a vivid image yeah. you know you, you think of the the ruins 2000 years from now that someone will be digging up of of Dallas yeah and they'll say well you know what were these monoliths they built sure. um you know this was the the thing we built to our god yeah. right billions of dollars yeah. it, it's amazing yeah and and yeah, it's it, it just does not make sense. Let me ask you this: we, we, we one of the things that we run into all the time. We 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 get people on board. We get city hall on board. Uh, the development community comes in and says, "This stuff isn't going to work. I can't do it. This isn't what I do." Yeah. Uh, how do how do we get how do we get people to start building differently? I mean, you, mm. you're on the ground. You're working with these people. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good question. Um, I can tell you just what I'm having to do uh, anecdotally on my end. I found it's almost more powerful for me to begin investing in some local businesses in my neighborhood. Yeah. I'm starting to tell everybody in my community just if you believe in these ideas. So far right now, it's hard for me to get the master developer to do this stuff. Right. Some of them get it, but it's tricky. Uh, but I'm telling people, like, if you believe in these concepts, and I can prove to you that they're working too in other places, like, then uh, we should be as a community – you know, you can invest in 401ks and all these other things, or you can invest in property or in a community that applies these ideas that are 500 years old and might have 
the same return or better return right. uh, than, than your, your stock options will. And plus, you've got a vested interest in your neighborhood. And, and the interesting example is like I own a restaurant, I know a couple now, uh, that I've just partnered with with some friends. And since I'm the crazy urbanist, I can go in with the parking lots in the front, and I, I start taking away some of the parking spaces, adding bike lanes. The other side of our building would take away five parking spaces, and we and we make it all into cafe seating. And I'm being told by the other merchants, and even the mayor, like, this place is great, but it just needs more parking. Right. And I'm telling them, like, if you tear down the parking, because it's an old streetcar stop, you're going to actually make it look like the places you don't love anymore. It's gonna, you're going to take, take it down an old building to make that parking lot. Right. And then the, that walkability is gone. But what I can say by the numbers is I'm seeing an 18% increase in my sales every year. Yeah. So while everyone is telling me like, oh, this is going to be cost gonna work, it's not going to work. I'm like, well, if you want to look at my books, it's working fine. Yeah. And, th- and I had one business lady that was in our in our streetcar stop neighborhood as well recently. She owned a little clothing store, and a uh, kid's clothing store. And she was saying like, you know what? I'm my business isn't doing well. I just need parking. Put it out there. That was in, in, in the ether. Everyone started kind of repeating that. Just the parking is the issue there. She left, went to another place, now has plenty of parking. Her business is still failing. Failing worse now. Right. And she's now talking about there's no walk-by traffic. She doesn't like being there because her whole neighborhood was like <laughs> – she could be around like the, her neighbors that were all close together as well. And no one's telling that story. No yeah. one's coming doing the follow-up and be like, hey, you're still failing. You blamed it on the parking. And now you're realizing it, it, that really wasn't the case, to, case at all. It's probably something about your business model that needed to be adjusted right. um, because you are in one of the most desirable areas in, in, the, in the city. Um, so that was that's that's what's scary to me is that somebody can just tell tell something like this is the real failure here because it reinforces the narrative. Yes, right, it does, and then so we continue to tear things down to accommodate those things. Right. Uh, and, and, and we need to get to a point, I think, as a culture and a community that gets offended at the idea of, of breaking the form that we know that works. Because right now, I'll have people getting more mad at like. Uh, you know, if you want trolleys, but trolley cables are so ugly. Like, okay, you're mad at trolley cables. Like, why are you just as offended at that? T- we tore down that old building and did a setback. Like, that is far more. Obs- I mean, yeah, I can understand right. the offense of a wire, but but really, but the thing is, nobody think. We don't even think about it. You're We're, just like, well, this is what I use. I use this at the Auto Zone. That's down the street, and that's how right. I get there. So why would I be opposed to that? Like, so. How do you and I, you know, as these purveyors of this, like, <laughs> great places, yeah. and CNU in general, how do we start making people really angry at tearing down this, this fabric and saying, saying, if you tear that down, this actually is going to make this feel wrong. It's right. not going to work right. My kids won't be able to move, live here anymore. Right. Uh, you know, I, my, the area that, around, that surrounds this will actually start to, to cave, and, and then my investment is now gone as well. Like, that's the conversation that needs to be had. And how do we – I mean, to me – I feel like we just we have to share with more people, right? Absolutely, we got. I mean, you got it. I say the fastest thing, and I, I would, it's very valuable. People need to travel. People, I think it's fascinating in, in, in Europe and even in Australia. I'll say this: I found is the culture for get, people getting out and just taking a year off after school. They call it these. I forgot what they call the year in Australia. You may know the name, but we just, just called it screwing around. Screwing right? around. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they've got places like things like called Erasmus, which is this kind of college program where you're supposed to go and travel in Europe. And of course, obviously, it's it's easy to go there and get on a plane for ninety bucks, and all of a sudden you're in another completely different place. Right. Uh, but I hope this new generation of kids gets on planes and just starts really paying attention to what make. And I think that's going to happen more uh, uh, as I see these low care fa- carrier airlines come to existence and things like that. One other point that I think is really cool we should talk about too: okay. identity. Uh, uh, and this is something that I noticed. I was in Castle, Germany, 
Castle Germany is like 90% of it was bombed after uh, the war because it's where the Panzer tanks were built. Um, Germany had two models after, they, after the Marshall Plan came in to rebuild. Some cities decided we're going to go with this new modern kind of wide streets, setbacks, and all this other stuff. And the others said, you know, we want to go back to our uh, traditional patterns. Uh, now, what we're seeing, like Freiburg traditional patterns, uh, you know, small, like uh, medieval walkable streets. As, you, as we all know, it's, it's the place that people watch. Right. Gangbusters. Yeah. Castle Germany, <laughs> just it looks like uh, Soviet bloc 1950s. Yeah. yeah. But beyond that, what I'm seeing, they are building the buildings right to the right form. But the buildings now, if, I, I, there's one picture I have of an old building. And it's got Tudor, all these beautiful Tudor features, intricate detailing, great windows, interesting shingles. Um, and great, you know, great little gardens and, and, and out front. And I was working with these architects, you know, 10 of the architects. And I asked them, which would you rather live in? This modern one here that's just cold, no detail, gray, uh, and, and there, or this kind of old traditional building. And, and nine of them said the old traditional building. And I asked the one lady, like, well, why not? Why wouldn't you want to be uh, in this one? And she said, because, it's, uh, because I want to be in the other one to look out at the old one. I love how it looks. <laughs> <laughs> and so... So beyond that, I thought this is that's interesting all, because awesome. I could look at that old building and you, everyone could say, like, I know I'm in Germany with that building. Right. And beyond that, even with that pattern, the Tudor wood pattern on that, you can tell where the region you're at. Uh, and there was this whole kind of system of these artisans or craftsmen in your neighborhood that helped build the tiles, they helped build the windows, they helped, and everybody just, it, it, you had a scale of this at so much that, I know people say it's expensive now and they, they find it to be superficial no, details. No, it was a whole economic ecosystem yeah. around doing this. Yeah, right. yeah, so you just did, you built the building, like, oh yeah, and right. Joe over here does this amazing tile work and, and right. you know we got 20 other guys that do this as well so it's the prices are affordable but it was the identity of the place uh, and, and people celebrated these and and, and i'm so so it was inter- it's interesting because you can look at this other building and it looks like soviet union 1955 dallas right. 1985 you can't tell where you're at at all and so what happens when you create a block full of this but you have this one place that people still feels alive still works and 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 i i think where i'm Hopefully, my hope here, my optimism is that you're starting to see in the local food movement, local beer brewing and local coffee making, this idea of us like taking our local ingredients around us, farm to table, being very prideful about the things in our neighborhood, putting them in our local restaurants, celebrating this Joe, the farmer, Judy, you know, the, uh, the you know, who, who did, you know, help do the, do the, the, the draperies and things like that. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking and telling those stories now. We're applying it to food because it's easy. But could we do that to buildings like we once did as well uh, and, and take that to the next level? Because I think it's fascinating when you go to Germany and think of the industries that they created based on their regions that still are hundreds of years old. Like you can go to, you go to France, go to the neighborhood of Camembert or the neighborhood of Brie, and they created – their grandparents codified a certain way to make cheese that kept locked in the idea of this certain type of, type of cows we use here in our neighborhood, certain type of grass that they eat, you know, certain kind of cloth we use to wrap the cheeses in. And think of all the industries in that neighborhood that are now supported by that. And even right. if you are, are struggling in some other field, you wanted to be this and it's not working, at least you know your great-grandparents put something in place for you that's 400 years old that is still celebrated. Right. And in Germany, it exists with sausages and you know with, with you know when the king at the, at the time said you know beer now beer's been made for thousands of years it was made this one way but now true beer to make beer it should be made with hops uh, and the interesting thing about that that equation was he knew in Bavaria the one thing that grew really gangbusters yeah. was hops right so he locked in for you know again hundreds of years the idea right. that we should all buy our hops from Bavaria and real hops don't grow unless they're in Bavaria so think about the genius of right, that. Right, <laughs> like, right. And, and so how does that affect the build? How can we do buildings this way? How yeah. can we build communities this way? So that's, that's my Well, and I, I do, I, I think that your, your example of the, uh, 
the, the renaissance going on right now in local ag mm-hmm. is, a, is a really good model that I talk about a lot because what you have is the economics actually now make it uh, cheaper in many ways to eat locally grown and sourced food, yeah. and it's better. Yeah. So you can, you can eat cheaper and, and eat better at the same time. Yes. So it becomes like a, a no-brainer. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, I mean, you, you look at the money we put into building a Walmart or a McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A or whatever, whatever you know, a strip mall or whatever it is. Yeah. It's not a modest amount of capital. Yeah. But we're spending it on parking lots and, you know, wide side, you know, the, 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 the wide frontages and the huge sign. Yeah. That you and I might be on the hook to tear down later on because it doesn't exactly, work eventually. Exactly. So you start repurposing some of that capital and saying what would be possible. Yeah. Especially with a local ecosystem of craftsmen. Yeah. Working on some of this stuff, and I, 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 I don't, I don't think the the future economy. I think the future economy, the way it's set up today, is in trouble. Yeah. But I don't think that destination's a bad place. Oh yeah, because I, I, I think that there's gonna be a lot of opportunity for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. You see, I mean, obviously, everyone brings up Detroit, but what happens is things just start to crater, and then all the rules just get thrown out the windows because right. at this point, like, you know, nothing's working. So just anybody who wants to do anything, right. like, this is fine. Let's try it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that is exciting. We're on this new frontier of like, and then again, it's even more exciting. I think for us, it's like, you see the artisanal food movement, artisanal beer movement. There's now this, I, I hope, to return to this artisanal kind of planning movement that's going back to taking the law of the Indies, which is the old craft brew beer method, and saying, like, yeah. hey, this is, this, I pulled this old recipe out of this old book here, 500 years old. It's working in Lima, Peru. Like, right. maybe, like why don't we make our own, our own brand right, here let's in try this it. town? Yeah. Okay, I, I, last thing, yeah. because I do th- it, 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 here's the future that I envision. I envision a future like this, but one where your son Asher is yeah. able to play in a, a, a band locally yes. and make a living, uh, you know, actually getting paid to do good, be, be like the local musician, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that was happening in, when I was in New Orleans, again, in that area that's classically formed. I was talking to a musician, and that's he was just a, like, That's a great example. And he was just yeah. like, He's like, The beauty is, I, he's like, I could lose my job in this one other area, and he's like, I could go set up over on Royal Street in this one corner. He's like, I'm going to make $1,000 in a week right. playing guitar. Right. And I thought, Wow, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've, we built that into these communities in this form that is still working. That, right. And this guy can actually live, survive. Resiliency. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, amazing. Well, and maybe uh, maybe he'll find, you know, Asher will find a place for a couple old guys to... Uh, yeah, drink beers together <laughs> and kind of watch him from the side. <laughs> yeah, thanks for staying, son. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, yeah. thanks so much. Thank you, thanks John. for all you do. And, you know, as a fellow evangelist, you're yes. uh, an inspiration. So. Oh, likewise. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> thanks. Take care. one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's the story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Who made the city? I like you. I like your vision of the, of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit. Agenda 21. Yeah.